0: Ooh! hello there. Hello, stranger. (laughs) Welcome to episode three of the Andy Bennett experiment. So today uh, really is all about the use uh, of negative emotions, not so much on uh, an evolutionary biology level or on a a neurochemical level, but today uh, it's just about more of a philosophical level and, and how we can lean into these things, embrace these things to improve our overall quality of life, our resiliency. And a lot of this has been sparked by Susan David, who is a psychologist and author of Emotional Agility. In a, a, a short TED Talk clip, she stated the following. Uh, when we push aside normal emotions, to embrace false positivity, we lose capacity to develop skills to deal with the world as it is, not as we wish it to be. Now, of course, no one likes to feel rejection, sadness, worthlessness, or at least for the most part. However, sitting with and leaning into these emotions is is really vital, in my personal opinion, for developing emotional awareness and emotional resiliency. So, we all get inconvenienced in, in some way. Inconvenienced, put out, confronted by, distracted by our feelings. Yet, they occur and will occur again because we're human, because they are flags. The feelings are flags to our psychological or physiological needs not being met in some form or fashion. So the question becomes, really, what do we do with that information? (laughs) How can we implement it? How can we use it? And this is where I'll break away from the original source material, from from Susan David specifically, because I'm curious to know how the opinions and how my views might line up before I've actually read her book. And this is where I want to bring up practices of self-awareness. So if you are presented with moments of difficult emotion, I think it's fair to say that the majority of people either flee to distraction, you know, curl up on the couch and watch Game of Thrones, or that's always an example with me, isn't it? You know, but you'll find something to take your attention, a TV series, Netflix, a movie, the phone, a video game, you know, something that allows you to engage in some sort of escapism so that you're not confronting what it is you're feeling at the time, or we have a tendency on the other end of the spectrum to fuel the reaction by allowing it to consume our internal monologue. Now I'm going to hit the stop button, hit the pause button. Uh, I should have said something at the beginning that what I'm going on about here is you know independent of any sort of cognitive disorder, any sort of anxiety, any sort of depression you know, this is me just this is me talking about frameworks but any framework that we use must be tailored for the individual psyche but with that being said, outside of so with that being said, there is a, a middle path. It's the hardest to take, in my opinion, and that's it's the path of introspection. You can choose to interrupt your subjective response, the fuel or flee, and instead observe the sensation. Over time, one of two things tends to happen, I find. Either the sensation will diffuse, allowing you to return to a kind of base level a base level a base line of sensation or uh, you'll follow the emotion back to its prime cause and that's something we're going to have to touch on a little bit later because prime causes when we go through these practices tend to shift you know depending on why we're feeling what we're feeling and what is you know deep seated in the psyche that hasn't been confronted in the past but for now let's focus on a practice right let's consider how we can choose that middle path how we can choose to engage in introspection and i think in the popular sphere the first bit would be referred to as so as box breathing I think it's referred to as box breathing in the popular sphere, but really um, it's a practice that I came across because of mindfulness, right? The whole mindfulness movement, you know, mid-2000s. In that, you know, when you're feeling intense emotion, practicing breathing and being present with the breath can really interrupt what's happening now the idea here isn't to completely forsake what you're feeling but the idea here is to put you into a slightly more objective frame of mind so you either a return to that baseline sensation or b get to a you know base enough line sensation that you are able to then observe what is happening to then attain an understanding of it because if we attain an understanding, then we can deal with it better when it comes up again in the future. Yay! <laughs> so essentially this, this methodology of box breathing, and I do mine a little bit differently and I'll explain why. But just find a place when you're feeling, you know, these these quote unquote negative emotions, right? Inhale slowly, deeply, through the nose. To a count of four, and it really must be <laughs> a reasonable count of four, right? So one, two, three, four, and feel the air—you know—filling the lungs, one section at a time, until your lungs completely fill, and the air—you know—moves into your abdomen. Hold the breath for another slow count of four. So you're not inhaling now, you're not exhaling now, you're just sitting present, focusing on the breath. Exhale through the mouth after the secondary count of four for the same count. You see why it's called box breathing, it's got four sides, four counts of four. Expel the air from the lungs and abdomen and be conscious of the feeling. That's super important, be conscious of the feeling. Of the air leaving your lungs and after that occurs hold your breath for the same count after the exhalation before repeating the process now the amount of time that people do this for really depends on their outcome you know some people will perform box breathing through an entire meditative session i honestly think just for this baseline exercise, you know, if you want to try and head down the path of introspection, you're trying to calm yourself to either return to a baseline or to chill enough to figure out what the hell's going on, then maybe six breaths will be enough for you. Now, the interesting thing about uh, that whole sixth breath concept. Is that there was a study done in uh, published in two thousand and five a Japanese study on a whopping twenty one thousand participants if I remember correctly, and what they did was they took two groups and studied the relationship between deep breathing and blood pressure. So the subjects were recruited randomly uh, from uh, selected clinics and hospitals that were members of a medical association and divided into those into two groups one group were uh, sitting without deep breathing and the other group engaged in uh, six deep breaths over a period of 30 seconds and there's quite a bit of data here so i'll do a quick bit of cherry picking but for the sake of this conversation the group that did six deep breaths prior to measuring blood pressure showed a marked reduction in their baseline blood pressure after the long breaths so if we're going to go down this road of introspection and you want to try and calm your state there may be positive correlation between taking six deep box breaths prior to embarking on this particular introspective journey just to try and allow you to attain a base level state of observation. And I'll try and remember to put the link to this study in the show notes. Um, So once you've attained, you know, a slightly more chill state, uh, a slightly more centered state, um, I want you to all try and engage in a practice called neutral observation, or at least that's what I call it. Really, this whole neutral observation, the whole neutral observer practice that was taught to me, The best way I can articulate it is to once you've attained that baseline, once you've moved towards an objective state, just find yourself a comfortable position. And you don't have to necessarily close your eyes like meditation, you know, you can gaze at whatever the hell you want to gaze at, but what matters is what's happening internally. As you are observing your thoughts, don't be in them be looking at them like you are clouds, for instance. And I know this is you know getting into meditation and this might be a little bit hippy-dippy for some of you, but this helps so damn much. Truly, really, if you are struggling with introspection, this helps so damn much. Find yourself a space that is comfortable, where you don't need to focus about you know, posture. You don't need to focus about, you know, oh, my back hurts when I sit on this chair. Or find the most comfortable place, whether it's sitting on the ground propped up against a couch or whether it's laying on a deck chair or in a hammock or hanging upside down from a ceiling fan like a bat, you know, whatever works for you. Close the eyes, open the eyes, doesn't matter. And start thinking about the emotion you felt. But don't let that emotion rule you. That's not what this is about. You are seeing it as if you were looking up at the clouds. And keep focusing on the breathing. Keep performing that box breathing. If you want to, I find that it helps me. And every time you see a thought, every time you experience a thought, you just let it drift by. Don't give it meaning. Don't label it. You just go, yes, you know that is the thought that led me to feel x and let it drift by and once you are absorbing observing i should say the thoughts in that manner you can start going down introspection because that first little bit is still part of that baseline because we don't want you to grab onto the thought and then just get pissed off again or to get sad again or to get depressed again you know we need you to be able to observe these thoughts in that neutral manner, the neutral observer. So once you see the thought go by, you know, you can reach up and grab that cloud if you like, but you know, you're in control here and you start to think, okay, so what led, why did I react the way I reacted? Why did I react the way I reacted? And it's a petty example, but let's use traffic, right? Let's use traffic. So, I'm confronted with an unuseful emotion. Let's call that emotion anger, right? For the sake of the conversation. I get cut off in traffic and I'm pissed off. Yes, it was a mild inconvenience, but should that rule my day? The answer is definitely no. So, if I'm struggling with that anger, it keeps interrupting my day. Sit down. Do what I've just described. And then, you know, grab onto that thought and go, okay, I see the moment. I see what happened why did I feel that way why did I feel that way oh well it put me in danger but everything's all right now nothing bad actually happened so it's good you can let go of it or but it triggered my anxiety and I'm really really anxious on the road everything's all right now but why are you anxious on the road so you can see you can either go back to the baseline and see the thought and neutralize it, or if it requires deeper thought and introspection, you can then follow it down the line, down that introspective line to its prime cause. So if it is the case of, oh, but it triggered anxiety in me, well, that's deeper, that's something deeper. It's not necessarily the person that cut you off. That should be a fleeting moment, in my opinion, of, hey, that wasn't great. Oh, but they might be about to give birth. Let's g- let's give them a wide berth. They can go do them, and I continue on with my day. So if it's triggering anxiety, then you go down the the logical route as when was the last time I felt this way, or what is the prime cause of me feeling this way? And you were in a car accident two years ago, and you were fearful for a moment of repeating that process. Now I understand that. I definitely understand that, but again, in terms of life on the macro scale, you know, it's not necessarily the car cutting you off that is causing you to feel the deep-seated anger or danger that you're experiencing right now, it can be the result of programming from that past car accident that you haven't yet come to understand, or that you haven't yet processed and of course a certain amount of you know danger registry is acceptable in this scenario but again when we're talking about it ruling the entirety of your day and irrational deep-seated anger towards uh, that two-second interaction it's not useful to us on the macro scale it's not useful to us when we're trying to lead our our lives in the broader scope of things. And I think we can refer to that as a, a fundamental attribution error and but that's a that's a completely different episode. That's that's a whole standalone episode to get across that concept. <laughs> but returning back to the original statement, that original quote that sparked off this whole thought process from Suvind from From Susan David, when we push aside normal emotions to embrace false positivity, we lose capacity to develop skills to deal with the world as it is, not as we want it to be. I feel that engaging in these practices over time will help you to improve your emotional awareness and emotional resiliency in fact you can even use that six breath method to interrupt emotions or reactions as they're occurring to give you that moment of oh hang on is this useful am i attributing are these emotions attributed to this cause is it coming from somewhere else you know you can engage in that introspective process in the moment these are tools These are tools that will help you deal with the world as it is and avoid that false positivity that Susan David mentioned in the original quote. And therefore, hopefully, the next time you encounter difficult emotions, you'll have these new tools in your arsenal to assist you in processing them. And frankly, as growing as a human being, instead of engaging in that fuel or flea. Because, as Susan puts it wisely, discomfort is the price of admission of a meaningful life. I hope all of you had some good takeaways from that one. But that's all I have for you on this topic today. This has been the Andy Bennett experiment, and I'll talk to you in the next one.